Sunday before Thanksgiving. And uh, I'm going to read just a, a short passage out of Psalm 100. And I'm going to say this. If my wife will tell you that I'm a lot like pastor, we're going to find out how much because if you've ever been around for a minute and pastor says, oh, I just got one verse of scripture, we're going to be out of here early today. I know that it's time to settle in for 1230, 1, 2, whatever, because he's going on and on. So I'm just going to say um, I've got one verse of scripture to start with, and um, we're going to try and get out of here early today. So in the New Living Testament, in Psalm 100, verse 4, that's Nehemiah, that's back in the back, 100, verse 4, Psalm 100, there we go. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise, give thanks to him and praise his name. I'm going to preach out of a title of a sermon today, What is the Purpose of Thanksgiving? Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for the ability to come to this place and hear your word. Lord, we thank you for our pastor, and it is our will and in asking that he be healed so that he may come back and lead us, Lord. Um, but we also know that it's your will be done. And so we're going to come to you lifting his name up, Lord, and just ask that your will is that he be healed and that he make it back to us as soon as he can. For today, Lord, we ask that you be with us and have your presence among us and that our hearts are opened, our ears are open, and that we might um, learn something and love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so what's the purpose of Thanksgiving? Well, right now today is families are going to be getting together Moms, grandmas, um, ladies, men going to be getting together on Wednesday probably. And they're going to start baking and cooking or they might have already. And it's a time when we get together as families and we pull together and we all like give thanks. But in this world today, we're not necessarily giving thanks to God. So what I'm going to do, and I, it's funny because... As I was preparing this, um, if you've been around for at least one Thanksgiving, I found that it was similar to pastors, and I know it's, the meat is not in it. I never looked at his notes, and I didn't review his sermon. Um, but what I wanted to look at was to go back and look at what we call the first Thanksgiving. So back in, I mean, everyone knows the, the basic story. Um, of course, growing up, I had, um, you know, a garbage, the, the brown paper garbage bags, you know, that was my Indian vest, and I had the three construction, you know, feathers sticking out the back of my head um, because I was the Indians, oh, excuse me, because I was the Indian that year, and, um, you know, it's the story where the Indians teach us how to get together, and, um, you know, we all blend, and we have a good, and, and they had a good crop, and, you know, we had Thanksgiving. And there was turkey, and there was corn, or the maize. And if you watch Charlie Brown, they had popcorn and jelly beans on the table. Um, but so the first Thanksgiving was a Thanksgiving, um, was a feast. But it started on their crossing. They had 102 people that, were, that came over in the Mayflower um, and landed at Plymouth Rock, or in, in Plymouth. And that's where they established the colony of, of Plymouth. And during the first, when they first arrived, they got there in the season, of, it was fall, and they weren't able to get on shore and build their colony. So they spent most of the winter on the boat. They got sick. They got scurvy. They got all kinds of things that you get on the boat. And over half of the pilgrims died before they ever even established the colony. So when they landed and actually got on land and started building their colony, they're now in the spring of 1621. Now, here's where I like to pull God into the story just a little bit. The first thing that happened to him that I would have been amazed, now we're talking about the 1600s, so explorers had only been on the continent for a couple hundred years, and at best was, you know, a little more than a handful. And when they landed, they were met by a tribe of Indians that spoke to them in English. Okay? They, I mean, it's like, hey, man, what's up? What do you mean? I mean, you're, 
Native Americans. Never, and they spoke to them in English. If you look at the story of Thanksgiving, um, and, and it's, this is in the history books, and you can go back and dig, but how many of you know that our history books only have this much when history is, you know, this wide? So I started reading about this dude. When I was looking at Thanksgiving, started reading about this guy named Squanto. Anybody ever heard of Squanto? Yes? Okay, good. Got some people to have. Malachi right up there. Um, so this guy, Squanto, was... Um, his tribe, he was the last of his tribe, and his tribe had been wiped out by disease. But this guy was kidnapped earlier, eight years before, was kidnapped by an English captain and was sold into slavery when they got back to England, sold him into slavery. He escaped from being a slave. Worked his way back to London. Not sure how he did it. History books don't say. Worked his way back to London. Then, being English-speaking, signed up. He had learned English through being in in captivity. Signed up as a crewman for an expedition to the New World. Got back to America. Jumped ship from the expedition and found out, that's when he found out, that his entire tribe had been wiped out by sickness, and he was the last of his tribe. So he hooked up with the tribe of Indians that met the pilgrims, and he taught them English before our pilgrims ever arrived. So first of all, who can see God in that right there? I mean, this dude went, I mean, he's, you know, off, captured, slave, back, and he happens to pick the tribe after he finds out that his whole tribe is wiped out, that he picks the tribe that the pilgrims from the Mayflower come over and they can greet them in English so they don't have that hard barrier there. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was kidnapped, sold into slavery, had to escape that and made my way back to my people, and then the same white-faced dudes show up that kidnapped me eight years ago, I'm sure I would probably be like, hey, get out the bows and arrows, or let's go. Because I'd either be running or fighting. And Squanto was instrumental in joining peace. That was the first peace agreement. It it lasted over 50 years between the settlement of Plymouth and the Indians. And he was the one that brokered the peace. Not only was he the one that brokered the peace, but he was the one that taught the settlers how to um, farm the corn. And the maize that was there. He was the one that taught the settlers what plants locally were poisonous and that they should eat and shouldn't eat. I mean, he was the one that taught them how to fish in the streams and get some crawfish. I mean, he was the one that pulled them all together. And once they got going a couple years down the line, he taught them how to be self-supportive, get into the fur trading industry. And that's one of the things that allowed them to start separating themselves from Britain. So... As a Native American, um, we don't know if God was placed in his heart or not. The history books don't say that he was a Christian or not. But I'm going to say this. God used him. God used him. God was there. And that's where our first Thanksgiving came. Governor William Bradford had this great big bountiful um, harvest. So they had this big Thanksgiving in 1621. In 1622, we never talk about the second Thanksgiving. We only talk about the first Thanksgiving. But in 1622, the harvest was not as plentiful. Had a little bit of a drought going on. Now, they still had food. They didn't lose people to death. They weren't starving people out. But it was not as bountiful as a harvest. So... At that time, the governor, following God, instead of having a feast, he had a fast. And this is not well known. This is a religious fast. This was a fast given to God because they were still there and because they had food. It was, I mean, they're giving thanks when there wasn't a whole bunch of stuff there. And I think there's a whole sermon in that right there. We're supposed to be giving thanks in everything. 
And so what's not well known is that the pilgrims in their second year, man, they came, this hadn't been that good of a year. Well, let's fast. And this will be our year of Thanksgiving. And this is what our Thanksgiving is going to be for. And then in 1623, they, re- they returned to their normal feast. Now, the menu at the first Thanksgiving I kind of thought was interesting because now we have a habit of, um, I mean, pecan pies and, you know, pumpkin pies and sweet potato pie. And, I mean, that's part of it. I mean, everyone knows, yes, we get, you know, turkey and we eat turkey, and that's a good thing. We're looking forward to the, you know, dressing and the cranberry and all that kind of stuff. But um, really, truth be told, everyone's looking for the pies, right? They're just waiting to get to the pie. Yeah, I mean, that's me. I started with dessert last night and then ate chili. But here, here's the thing. The Mayflower had run out of sugar. There was no sweets at the first Thanksgiving. This is just an interesting tidbit, not really anything to do with thanking God, except that you can thank God for having Thanksgiving without pumpkin pie. But um, they sent four men out to hunt for fowl and didn't say whether it was turkey or not. But the Indians, the Indians were not the ones that brought corn, which I, we did in our little play when I was young. I mean, we, you know, the Indians, because of the maize corn, it was thought that the Indians brought the corn, or at least in you know, my mind. Um, but in reality, the Indians actually brought five deer. So they had venison at the first Thanksgiving. And then hopefully the white dudes that went out hunting, um, you know, shot a bird or two and, you know, brought the bird back. So I just found it kind of interesting that there were no sweets and there were no pumpkin pies or anything like that at the very first Thanksgiving, which we now associate it with. We've changed this Thanksgiving, and this is where I'm going with this, is that we've changed our Thanksgiving for it to be a, 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 a holiday. Now, I kind of think it's a perfect holiday because you're not required to buy any gifts or spend any money. You just cook a whole bunch of good food. You sit around, you eat, you get fat, your stomach gets out, you take naps, you go back, you eat some more, and then you say your goodbye, you, you see all your family, and then you go on home. I mean, what? That's awesome. I mean, you don't have to spend money on flowers for Valentine's Day and go out and spend expensive dinners. Um, you're not dressing up in leprechaun outfits for St. Patrick's Day. Um, you know, you, you're not spending. I spent $2,600 one year, me and one other dude, to set off fireworks for the 4th of July in our neighborhood, and I did it off my trailer. It was fantastic. It was 18 minutes of nothing but just you know, poof, 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 you know, but I spent money on 4th of July, okay, so every holiday we've got has all these things, Thanksgiving, you're just cooking, you're just cooking, you're getting around with family, having fun, watching some football, riding some four-wheelers, whatever it is that you do, and you get fat, you lay back, and it's just a good time, then you go home, and you don't have to worry about the presents, and the boxes, and everything else that goes with it, so, um, I don't know where I got sidetracked on that, but it was good. Perfect, perfect Thanksgiving, a perfect holiday. So we celebrate this as our first Thanksgiving. But was this the first Thanksgiving that we had? Well, first of all, if you go way, 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 way back, um, pagans had always had the, had some sort of fall holiday where they gave thanks to whatever god it was that they worshipped for in festivals. Um, the Jews, the uh, Jews have a festival um their their feast it's a feast of harvest at the end of the year it's in fall it's a week-long festival and it is to god um i mean it's god's children it's one of the things that he commanded one of the feasts that he commanded but when you look at our thanksgiving and where we get it from um if you look back this was in 1621 in 1565 in saint augustine any of you guys ever seen pedro menendez high school Yeah, okay, Pedro Menendez. He got together with the Timucawa Indians, and they had Thanksgiving together, um, big feast, celebrated, and then they had mass afterwards with the Indians because they were primarily Catholic then, and they had a Catholic mass. So their Thanksgiving for arriving and settling in St. Augustine safely, their Thanksgiving was given to God. Okay, in 1619, 
right before um, the pilgrims in Plymouth, um, Berkeley 100. Don't know where that is. It's on the banks of the Virginia, uh, Virginia's James River. So it's in Virginia. But they had come in, started a settlement, and they were doing well. And they gave thanks and set aside a day in their, um, in their settlement as a day of thanksgiving to Almighty God. So here's the, here's the strain that we see through these thanksgivings is um, it doesn't really matter if it's, you know, the Indians or we get together or it's this bountiful, bountiful plentif- uh, this plentiful harvest. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. This plentiful harvest that they have, um, the whole thing was is all these people are giving thanks to God, thanks to God, thanks to God, thanks to God during this time frame. That's the foundation of thanksgiving is to give thanks to God. The four of our first five presidents designated a day, um, Washington, Adams, Madison, and Monroe. They all designated a day during the term, and it wasn't a specific day. It wasn't the fourth or the fifth Thursday in November, but they designated a day in the fall that particular year. The Continental Congress, prior to George Washington um, becoming our first president, they designated a day, which, by the way, do you guys know how many presidents we had before George Washington? I'd have to re-look it up again, but it's like 15. Yes. Well, let me ask you this, 76 to 89, because Washington was elected in 89, so that's 13 years, and I think we had one twice, so that would be 10 or 11 presidents. The Continental Congress elected a president every single year from 76 to 89, but it wasn't our current, um, where we set up our current four-year, that Washington became the first official president of the United States. So... um, so if you want to stump someone, Malachi, you can go, hey, who was our first president? You'd have to Google it, though, so you have the answer. I used to have it, but um, you can look up and see who the first guy that was elected to president um, in that. But the presidents also recognize that God was the one that helped set up this nation, and God was the one that got our nation established and our Um, our constitution is based on God. I mean, it talks about God throughout our constitution. We're trying to take that away today um, through the name of religious freedom, which which means they're trying to take that out, but that's not what our forefathers had in mind because our forefathers were for God and they were for Thanksgiving. In 1817, New York as a state was the first state that adopted Thanksgiving as a holiday. And so what we had was we had presidents in different states and everything doing their own kind of thing. And it wasn't until 1863 when Abraham Lincoln, which 1863, for any of you that know about the Civil War, it went from 61 to 65. So we're right in the middle of it. We're right in the middle of going on. The Civil War was a horrible time in America's history because we lost more men in the Civil War than we have in any other war in the history of the United States combined. I mean, we were losing tens of thousands of men in a day. These are American men. Whether they're south or north, they were Americans, and they came back to Albany in the United States of America. And Lincoln, in the middle of this war, he said he had a a proclamation entreating all Americans to ask God to commend to his tender care all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners or sufferers in the lamentable civil strife and to heal the wounds of the nation. And he scheduled that Thanksgiving as the final Thursday in November. So Lincoln, in the midst, and, and we look back to the second Thanksgiving where they fasted because they didn't have as much as the first one. Well, our official Thanksgiving came about because Abraham Lincoln wanted God to heal our country. So we're not in a, this isn't when we're at the top. We just didn't win three wars against the French, English, and Spanish. And we're like, whoop, we're flying high. Let's give thanks. You know, that's not the time period that it happened. We were fighting amongst ourselves. We were being destroyed. We were at a point in 1863 when 
the English and French were considering backing the Confederacy. Had that ever happened, we would be two nations today. And Lincoln, in the midst of strife and in the midst of struggle, he stepped in and made Thanksgiving an official holiday and said, give thanks to God so God will heal our nation. Again, it's when you pray for others that you get healed yourself. And Lincoln called for us to pray for others and the widows and the mourners. I mean, the mourners, everybody was mourners. Everybody was suffering in the Civil War. They had brothers and you had, I mean, even sisters that went out as nurses. I mean, the Civil War was a horrible, horrible war. And in the midst of all of that strife, Abraham Lincoln reached out to God and gave a proclamation to all of the citizens of the United States to set aside this day so that we could give thanks to God so that he would heal our nation. And that's what Thanksgiving is about, is reaching out to God. It went that way until 1939. Is anybody familiar with the term Franksgiving? Franklin Delano Roosevelt took the first time and made... Thanksgiving, not the last Thursday of the month, but backed it up a week. And why did he do that? So that the retailers would have more time to sell Christmas gifts. That's the official reason that he backed it up to have Thanksgiving earlier in the year. And I'm going to say something that pastor says every year, and that is... Um, about Christmas, because I know some of you guys have started your Christmas shopping already. My wife starts hers in August, um, and I'm just going to give you a hint. Plan your budget for your presents, because if you don't have a budget, you're just going to go out and go, oh, Susie will like that. Oh, Shanique will like that. Oh, I'm going to get this for Thomas. And you're just going to go through and you're just going to start buying things, especially if you're grandparents. You just go, oh, got to get that for the baby. Got to get that. So here's the thing is when you come around Christmas, when you start doing your shopping for Christmas, just a tidbit, is set a budget, plan on how much you're going to spend on each person, make your list, and then make sure that you got the money set aside for that and spend the money that you have set aside for that. And don't take that money from your bill money. Don't take that money from your electric, your rent, your car payment, anything else. Take it from, if you take it from electric and you give your kid an a Xbox, whatever the new one is, Xbox One for $500 and then come up here to the church. My electric was turned off. I need $250. Yet your kids got, but I need the electric so my son can pay the $500 game I just got him. Okay? That's not what you need to be doing. And you don't be needing to use your credit cards. Don't put Christmas on your credit cards. Okay? God does not want us into debt. That is not part of God's plan is to have us in debt. He said, I know the plans that I have for you, and they are for you to prosper. I have good plans for you. And giving all your money to the credit card people is not prospering. So, children, you might get one $25 present. Deal with it. That's what needs to be done, and that's what needs to be done. Set your budget. That's just a side note plan. But that's in contradiction of what Franklin Roosevelt changed the Thanksgiving for. There was quite a bit of opposition to him changing the Thanksgiving. And at that time, there were about half the states changed it to the 4th and backed it up. And the other half, if there was a 5th, they left it at the 5th. Or you could have gone like Texas, who does everything big, and they just celebrated it twice. Okay, They're like, whatever. We'll just get everybody off two Thursdays in a row. We'll have two parades. We'll have two. Malachi's like, whoop, whoop, yeah. So we'll have, you know, two, two sets of turkeys and everything. Of course, if you're only a week out, you probably still have turkey left over from the first Thanksgiving. Um, so what is the purpose of Thanksgiving? Let's look back at the opening scripture, Mike. Let's start with Psalm 104. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise and give thanks to him and praise his name. So establishing the history of Thanksgiving and what it goes through with the exception of Roosevelt. Now let me just say this. He did have a reason behind it. 
may or may not have been a good reason. His reason behind it is the country was in the Great Depression and he was trying to pull us out. And so he was trying to give people a little bit of extra time to get that money together so they could buy their Christmas presents. Okay? But we have to understand that the entire basis of Thanksgiving is not for us just to go and have fun with family and friends. The entire basis of Thanksgiving, I mean, everyone thinks that they deserve Thanksgiving today. Every Thanksgiving right now that, that we celebrate is um, families getting together and they're just, you know, they're happy to see each other. A lot of families don't even bring God into it. Um, you know, and they go around, what are you thankful for? Oh, I'm thankful for my brother. I'm thankful for my job. I'm thankful that they got married this year. I'm thankful for all these things. But they're not, with their mouths, they're not giving thanks to God. They're not giving praise. They're just simply giving thanks. But to who? Who are they giving thanks to? Well, God commands us to enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. So you've got some people that um, are very humble when they enter God's gates. Because he's not to be, we're not to be arrogant when we go in. We're not to be a proud Christian when we go into God's gates. We're not to, to be all that in a bag of chips. As a matter of fact, we've got people... I'll give you two examples of people that I know. One of them um, used to work for me when I had a paint and body shop. And this dude was skinhead, tatted up, rode a motorcycle, um, you know, and I would talk to him about God. And he's like, me and God, I got it. We got a deal. And I'm like, yeah, your deal is you're going to hell. I mean, but here's the crazy thing. He didn't say, man, I don't believe in all that, Jeff. I don't believe in God. He didn't say he didn't believe in God. What he said was, I'm good. He believed in God, just didn't believe that maybe hell was a real place. Just didn't believe that Christ had given himself and laid on the cross and shed his blood for his sins. And I tried to talk to him, and every time I did, ah, me and God, dude, I got it. I already told you, man, me and God, we got a deal worked out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you have your deal. I've got another guy that works for me, and I've mentioned this before, and he's on my list of someone that I'm praying for. And this young gentleman, he's in his 30s, he has a family, big family, four or five kids, something like that. Um, this guy's a good dude. This guy will give you the shirt off his back. If you need something done, he'll do it for you. If he can come help you on his day off, he'll come help you on his day off. And he was raised in the church. And he'll tell me to my face. I mean, it's like, Mike, I just want to let you know I'm praying for you. And he's like, yeah, don't be doing that. I don't need it. I'm good. He was raised in the church. And when he got home on Sundays, he's like, dude, you people, call yourself Christians. I'd get home on Sunday after church, after my mom and daddy drugged me, and they were drinking and smoking and cussing and fighting and hitting each other. And, you know, and then what's worse is you know, because of all that going on in his family and in his household, he acted up too. And then they told him, dude, you're the black sheep of the family. We might be black sheep, but you the blackest of the black sheep. You horrible. You'll never amount to anything. God will never let you into his kingdom. He was told that at seven years old. Really? So he doesn't listen because of what he was taught by his parents who called themselves Christians yet acted like that. And so I pray for this guy every day because he's a good dude. And I really want him to be saved. And he says the same thing. I got to deal with God. I believe that good people, if you do enough good things, you good outweigh your bad. I believe I'm going to make it to heaven because I'm a good guy. I take care of my family. I take care of my friends. I take care of my children. I do the things that I'm supposed to do. But he doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I pray for that salvation. And the sad thing is, he may be driven from salvation based on something that someone called themselves a Christian. So we are to enter his gates with thanksgiving. We as Christians are to be humble. 
we as Christians are to recognize that we are flawed and that we are broken and that anything that we have is by the grace of God. It is not us. It is God. And he commands us when we enter his gates with thanksgiving. So we're supposed to be going. And here's the thing. It doesn't say enter his gates with thanksgiving because you've given me a million dollars. It doesn't say enter his gates with thanksgiving because I got 10 children, 100 grandchildren, uh, 1,000 great-grandchildren. I'm blessed. I, I got a big house. I mean, I take, okay, God's not asking you to enter his gates with thanksgiving because of anything that he's done for you. Paul had an affliction and begged God, hey, man, take care of this for me, please. And God said, no, my grace is enough. That's what we're to come into his gates with. We are to come to God with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise. So not only are we supposed to just be thanking him as we go along, we're supposed to be giving him the praise as we go in. Give thanks to him and praise his name. In Nehemiah 12.46. Now, by the way, when I looked up thanks and thanksgiving, there are about 134 scriptures that have thanks and thanksgiving in them. And I'll just let you know, I'm not going to go through all of them. I only, got, I only got four or five, because uh, then we would be here for a while, <clears throat> even if I just read them. In Nehemiah, it says, The custom of having choir directors to lead the choirs in hymns of praise and thanksgiving to God began long ago in the days of David and Asaph. Nehemiah was about, I think like 600 years later than David. Been a while since David. And I thank God for Jeff. I thank God that Jeff comes up here and everyone else that plays drums and guitars and sings because they're serving God in something that God has asked them to do. We have a choir director and we have a choir and we are to lead in hymns of praise and thanksgiving. And I know pastors said it before and I'm going to say it again. Last night when the chili cook-off started at 5 o'clock, we had five contestants and about three people to eat because abundant life is traditionally late coming to things. Well, you know what? Chili cook-off, that's not important. Chili's going to be there. You can come late. That's okay. But we're directed in the Bible to come and give hymns of praise and thanksgiving. So if you're late every once in a while, that's okay. Because something might happen. Um, you might have a baby in the house that needs his diapers changed. I'd rather you change the diapers than to bring him here dirty. Okay? There are things that happen. But if you know that we start every Sunday at 1030 and we haven't changed in years. And you know every Sunday at 1030, then we're commanded to come in here and sing hymns of praise and thanksgiving. We should be a full house at 1030. And it should be an exception rather than a rule that we come in after 1030. And, man, when the praise is going on, God's here. You're missing out. If you're not coming at 1030, you're missing out on God. Because these services are not just about the preaching. And I know you're not certainly coming here for me because I haven't set up anything and established anything. All I'm trying to do is just to... Preach the word and stay in scripture so that I don't jack anything up before pastor comes back. And I just pray to God for help because I'm just a humble servant and it's not anything about me. But the praises and thanksgiving in hymns are about God. And we need to be here so that we can lift up God with praises and thanksgiving through our hymns and our song. That's part of it. In Psalm 28, 7... It says, the Lord is my strength and shield. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. And I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. I trust him with all my heart. Do we trust him with all our heart? It's, it's easy to say, yes, we do. But we are just reading in Mark. And Nancy and I, we do a Bible study every morning. We sit down and we read our Bible together. And I encourage you to do that. Um, it's a great time to not only get word in, but to bond with your spouse. Um, 
but in Mark, Jesus had just fed 5,000 people. And the disciples were the ones that were handing this food out. And when they finished, they ended up with 12 baskets. My wife explained to me the other day, the baskets of the day were not like picnic baskets like we think. They're little baskets that they wore either on their sash or, you know, on a belt. And that's kind of like their little lunch sack, kind of like a, uh, what'd you call it, a straw fanny pack? Yeah, so like that, that you could put stuff into and carry with you. And so the 12 disciples who God commanded, Jesus commanded to go out and take nothing with you, they had a little food, a little snacky set aside when they finished. And they just saw this out of um, five loaves and two fish and just fed 5,000 men. He didn't just feed 5,000 people. He fed 5,000 men. And the men had their wives with them, and their wives had the kids with them. So, you know, the number could easily have been anywhere from seven to 12,000 people or 15. So here's the thing. Jesus just did that miracle in front of his disciples. His disciples know that that's God. They know that that's the Son of Man. And when they finished feeding them all, he instructed them to get in the boat and go to the other side. And they got in the boat, and they started going to the other side, and the waves kicked up, and Jesus walked on the water. And here's the thing. They were afraid. Like, they freaked out. And when they saw Jesus, they thought it was a ghost, a ghost in those times when you would see ghosts, the superstition of the day. Um, if you saw a ghost, it meant death. I mean, they're thinking they're going to die. These are Jesus' 12 disciples. They just saw him do a miracle. And he climbed on board, he calmed the waves, calmed the storm, and they were greatly amazed. How are you greatly amazed when you just saw him feed 7, 12, 15,000 people? The answer is right here. I trust him with all my heart. Because it's easy for me to pray for somebody else. And go, oh, trust God in your healing. Oh, trust God in your finances and I'm going to pray for you. Trust God in whatever emotional strife you're going through and I'm going to pray for you. And you might have that belief. And you might be believing that he's going to be healed or that she's going to get a financial gain or that their emotional stress is going to be solved or their marriage is going to be healed or anything. You may believe that with all your heart. You may have 100% faith that that's going to happen, but then the next day something happens to you, and what do you do? You, me? I try to fix it. I try to fix it. Where is our first thought? Where is our first trust lie in? And the disciples, it's just not me. And if no one else in here does that, I know that I got the disciples on my side because they did the same thing. They sat there and watched a living miracle play out before their eyes. And when they got into a trouble, they immediately worried, thought they were going to die. And when God took care of it, whoo, man, I'm amazed. Did you see what he just did? So no, we don't trust with him with our whole heart. And that's what we need to do. And we can train ourselves to do this. This is a teachable thing, to trust God. It's not something, if you just get saved, you can't just turn over everything that you've been doing and go, okay, God, I'm just giving it all to you. That's, that's a hard thing to do for someone that just gets saved. But if you try to handle things, and then in the midst of trying to handle it, you're like, you know, I really should have prayed first. And then you pray. And then the next time you do the same thing again and the same thing again, but then maybe the fourth time you, you pray the second day instead of the fifth day. And then maybe the seventh time it happens, you pray the, you know, the end of the first day until you get this in your mind. And you're like, I've got to trust God. I got, he just took me out of the last one. I've got to trust God. He just took me out of the last one. I've got to trust him. So when something happens to you, you place your faith in trust in God. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me. My heart is filled with joy. And then you're supposed to burst out with songs of thanksgiving. Let people know what happened. Give them your testimony. Let them know what God is doing in your life. You don't have to try to convert them right there. Some sow, some leave. Some, some you know, will reap the harvest and bring people to Christ. It's not their harvest, it's God's harvest. But we're supposed to sow seeds. So even if I have someone that's unbelieving, I can still say, hey, man, you know what? God showed up for me yesterday and he did this, this, and this. 
And they may believe you, or they may not, or they may go home and go, hmm. And they may go, hmm, enough to where one day they might come to you and go, can you tell me a little more? That's what we're looking for. That's when their hearts will be open. Not when we jam it down their throat, but when they come to us by living the lifestyle and giving God praise with our mouth and with our lips and giving Him the thanksgiving for the things that He does for us. In Psalm 107, 22, it says, Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and sing joyfully about all His glorious acts. So this is what I'm just saying. Let someone know about his acts. And it don't just have to be the people on Wednesday night when we sit down and open with, okay, so we're going to do what God asks us to do. And we're going to, you know, anybody have any praise reports? Anybody have any prayer requests, you know, in our praise reports? Oh, that was nice. So let's give thanks. Alyssa just had a phenomenal prayer answered. And she got the promotion that we've been praying for on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. And so, and she gave God praise. And she gave God those praise here. I'm sure she did outside the home, but if she didn't, she needs to be, right? So we are to be talking about the glorious acts that God does for us because Psalm 16 says every good thing we have comes from you. So we are to be giving thanks and telling people about his glorious acts. In 1 Chronicles 16.8, it says, Give thanks to the Lord. And proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Again, this is just talking about what we've just been going through. Give thanks to the Lord. This is what Thanksgiving is about. And it's not just Thanksgiving Day. I thank God for Thanksgiving Day so I can just... For those of you here last Sunday, I ended up with... uh, a verse that talked about being um, taken care of like a fatted calf. and I'm like, I mean, that, that's what I want to be done. So this Thanksgiving, I want to be fed like a fatted calf. But this Thanksgiving should not be my only day that I give thanks to the Lord and proclaim His greatness. Let the whole world know what He has done. In 1 Chronicles 16.34... It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. So we've been talking about giving thanks, or I've been talking about giving thanks to the God and giving, giving thanks for everything that you have and telling people all of his great things. And what if you don't really have a lot of great things going on right now? What if you um, are the Christian because they're out there. Because God doesn't say everything's bountiful all the times. It says um, in James 1-2, it says, When troubles come your way, consider opportunity for great joy. So it's going to happen. But what if it happens to you all the time? What if it happens to you most of the time? And you're like, ah, I'm trying. It's just not working. I'm trying. It's just not working. I'm trying. It's just not working. But God says... Give thanks to the Lord for He's good and faithful. His love endures forever. So let's just talk about a second about forever. right? So I've done this once before, and Pastor did it. I loved it, and he was like, no one else got it. So I'm going to try and get you guys to get it again. All right? So I just took my my notes, turned them upside down, and I put a little dot right there on this paper. Okay? Everyone see that dot? All right, so if I take this paper down, and what I want you to do is you got to think about this dot right here as the time frame of your current entire life. This your whole life is in that dot, okay? And I take my magic pen, and I can draw a line forever and ever. And I would draw this line off this paper, and I would draw the line out the doors, out on the street, up to Interstate 10. Interstate 10 goes all the way. You know, we have the start of it here in Jacksonville. The end of it's in San Diego. And I draw this line, and I go through all of Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, California, off into the Pacific Ocean. I'm drawing an ink pen line all the way across, 
3,000 miles in the Pacific, hit a little bump called Hawaii, maybe Guam if I'm on the right line, keep going, keep going. The earth is round, okay? They discovered that back 500 years ago, 600. The earth is round, my line keeps going. And I draw my line, this ink pen. Think about this dot. Think about that dot right there. My ink pen's already crossed the United States, Pacific Ocean, now it's shooting off and it's going to the moon. And it passes the moon. And I would name all of the planets in a row, but I don't know them anymore. And it goes all the way. This is forever. This is forever. So if you have a rough life, you, as long as you've got a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then you can give thanks to him because he's faithful. And his faithful love endures forever. And you are only here like a vapor in the wind, just a wisp, just the foam at the top of the sea of of the wave right before it crashes. That's all we're here for. We're just here for a moment. It seems like forever. Some things just seem like they've been just around and we've been going through, and when you're going through something tough, it seems like forever. When you're going through good, like, man, time flies. But forever, God's love is faithful, and his love endures forever, and we are to give thanks for that. So if you are the, if you have, are the one, there's somebody, there's one Christian in the history of time that's had the worst life. If you are that worst life Christian, and you are have di- you have died, then you are with God on this long line forever, and that dot is insignificant. So while we're here, we are to do what He is asking us to do, and that's to give thanks to Him because He is faithful, and His Lord, um, His love endures forever. Amen. Hallelujah. The last verse I'm gonna give, and then we're gonna get out of here because it's three minutes to twelve. That means it'll only take 17 minutes to explain. Um, last one is 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. If you don't belong to Christ Jesus, then you need to do all the partying that you can do while you're here. Because it's going to be a long, hot forever. But if you belong to Christ Jesus and you have that personal relationship, and remember what I talked about being a relationship a couple times, is a relationship goes both ways. Okay? Nancy and I have a relationship. We talk with each other. Henry and Nixa have a relationship. They talk with each other. I can go through every couple in the room. It doesn't even have to be couples. It could be Jennifer and Stacy Bearrunner. They have a relationship. They talk with each other. And not one person talks and the other person... They're friends. For any of you got it wrong, they're friends. It's a friendship relationship. Sorry about that. Didn't mean to make anyone red out there, including me. I didn't mean for it to go that way. But a relationship is two ways. And if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you cannot not be talking to him on a regular basis. Very few people pray every single day. But I know there were days that I didn't talk to my dad, um, especially once I moved out and went to college. I didn't talk to him every day, but I still talked to him. I still called him up when I had issues, when I had problems, when I needed money. Isn't that what college kids do? That was my relationship. And his, his relationship back was no. But we have to be praying and talking to God daily. And then the way we listen to him is in our Bible right here. So for us to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we have to be in our word and in our prayer. And that needs to be on a consistent basis. Even if you can't manage to get it in seven days a week, um, It needs to be consistent. But if you belong to Christ Jesus, this goes to what I'm saying. Somebody was, had the worst life as a Christian, and yet 
we're commanded to be thankful in all circumstances. And for those of people that want to know, you know, that step back, I just want to know what God's will is for my life. I'm just trying to search it out. Well, I'm going to go over here because I'm not sure God's will is that I be in this place or in that place. And I'm going to bounce around because, you know, I heard this and, and then he said that. It upset me and so I'm going to leave. Um, God's will is for you to be thankful in every circumstance that you're in. Because you don't know where you are. If you're in a bad circumstance, you don't know where you are in that circumstance. It may be a long while that you're in that circumstance. You can't just pray for three days and go, I prayed, didn't work, I give up. Look at the Jews. They'd go sometimes two, three, four hundred years before God would answer their prayers. God's timeless. Time has no significance to God. So God's will for you is to be patient, to love Him, come into His courts with thanksgiving, don't have this, I got you, because you know, you're not placing yourself on God's level. You can't, I can't go up and say, hey, Donald, nice to meet you. I'd be going up and go, you know, Mr. President, it's a pleasure. Or if I, you, I mean, hey, Obama, give me five, man. I mean, I'm not going to do that. I would go up and say, Mr. President, it's an honor to meet you. Whether I vote for him or not, it's the office that we recognize and we honor in this country because they're our, they're our leader. But we are supposed to, you know, not be arrogant when we go to God. We're supposed to be humble, and we're supposed to do the right things that we're supposed to do. pastor says it all the time. Read your Bible, say your prayers, and make good choices. Have that relationship with Christ. Be thankful for God in everything that he does for you. I want you guys to have a happy Thanksgiving. Um, I want you guys to get with friends, family, but just remember... All the thanksgiving that we're here for, our thanks should be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.